I'm really excited about this one. I even already know where we're going to have to pause recording to have a fight. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's pastor share their messy attempt at raising a Christ-centered family. We may not know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen, here with my husband, Joel. And today we are talking about the secret to making your house a functional place to be. For Kathleen. For everybody. (laughs) Seriously, this is it. We are talking about the power of ritual. But before we get into that, let's get into our family check-in. Family check-in time. Check in with your families, folks. Use this as your weekly excuse to check in with your loved ones, your spouse, whoever is in charge of making sure you're okay and whoever you're in charge of. So, Kathleen, how are you doing? Honestly, I am doing fantastic. I'm not even going to say I'm tired. Um, We talked about last week about how I cut five hours off my work. And what that means is that when I come home from the office, I can just focus on our kids. And I'm not like psychologically trying to block in extra work at home. And it is making the biggest difference. I can't even describe it. Dane is two days ahead of his homework. We've practiced piano. That's more Dane than us. Mm. He's crazy. I will say that kindergarten homework, even though he's very focused and he does a very good job, requires quite a bit of adult management. (laughs) (laughs) Because he can't read the instructions. So he's ahead on his homework. We've practiced piano every day. We've been working on potty training. I've been reading more. Potty training his brother, not... The kindergartner. Yes. Kindergartner's potty trained. Yes. Good on us, I guess. Just so much stuff, like we're on top of our budget. I'm cooking more nutritious food more often with more Kathleen flair. I like to like slice out all the fruit and then like fan it out pretty for the kids. It's important I'm, to them. I'm the mom I always dreamed I would be right now. And it's amazing. You're the mom I always dreamed you'd be. How are you? I'm Good. After last week, I was ready for this week to be rough, and this week has been pretty pretty low-key. It has been. And then we're also doing something in my ministry that is new and exciting, and it's just working well, which is a, and it, it's just always kind of relief when you put a lot of effort into something, <laughs> and, it, and it works. Because a lot of the time in ministry, the things that you put effort into, they just don't work. And this was like especially exciting for me because it's like me delegating part of my job to one of our other directors it's like I'm kind of like the kids person and this is delegated to the worship person and they're developing the kids worship and um it's hard for me to let go of anything um but she's so good at her job that I just feel totally comfortable doing that and it's been a really great couple of sessions of that good yeah I think life has gotten (sighs) yes that's exactly true um, so we'll keep you all updated on that, no doubt. But let's get to our topic this week. So one of the main reasons that our life has gotten to... <sighs> is we haven't been to the hospital recently. No, I. the reason we've been able to settle right back into our lives after the drama of the last couple of weeks is that we have set up um, some very great rituals through the day. But before we get into what those are, I wanted to talk about what we mean 
by ritual. A ritual is the set expectations, set processes that foster connection and that bring joy. We kind of talk about routine, you know, like we talk a lot about bedtime routine and after school routine. Um, routine is the expectation and processes. And I think that those are effective for some people and they are effective within the confines of ritual. But what we've been doing is building out those routines to connect us as a family, connect us to God and to bring joy into it. And taking those kind of two halves of ritual and bringing them together has been so good for the functionality of our home, especially over the last couple of months. Yes, for <laughs> some of us. And so we're going to talk about ways we apply them as a family, personally as individuals, and as part of the body of Christ. So the benefits of a ritual are specifically that the expectation is solidified. Nobody is wondering what we're going to do next or what we're going to get to eat or what 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 is going to happen. Everybody has the expectation for what's coming and nobody's expectations are not met um, or if they are it's they're not not vocalized and you know that if you have a different expectation for whatever reason that you need to say something yes. because it's not the normal like if we're gonna skip part of um, our nighttime routine we explain as we go into the nighttime routine we're skipping this part because it's late or we're skipping this part because you already had dessert or you're skipping this part for whatever I mean that's very those are both very specific yes. <laughs> so there's the expectations are solidified processes are mechanized so it's one thing to set the expectations for what the elements of the ritual are, but also the transitions from one piece to the next are all part of the ritual. You're not forcing, okay, now go brush your teeth. Of course, they're going to brush their teeth next. They always brush their teeth yeah. next. You know I love a good system. Get us into habits, get us keeping on that track and doing what we want to do and systems that force us to do them so we don't have to think about it. We don't have to rely on our own self-control. The next part of the ritual besides expectations and processes are the connections are deepened. So this means that we are using these opportunities of kind of everyday life or every week life, depending on what kind of ritual it is or every Christmas or whatever life to deepen our connection to each other. It's something that we experience together and it's something that brings us closer together because it almost always requires close proximity or working together or some sort of time. Um, that is special with us together. I think that's more of a function of just the specific rituals we've developed, our rituals around family time. I don't know that necessarily, because some rituals will be individual rituals. Yeah, but the ritual, like, so individual rituals all have a purpose too, specifically like. Right. Um, I don't think our individual rituals will necessarily foster connection with our family. You're right. Not with your family, but I said earlier with your family or God. <laughs> so I guess you were just slammed on that one, Demant. So slammed. Um, so expectations are solidified. Processes are mechanized. Connections are deepened and joy is experienced. Um, I think that's the key one because a lot of people have routines. We tried forever to do a bedtime routine. And the thing is, it was all pieces of the steps getting closer to bed and joy was not built into it. Um, it were like joyful things like story time, I guess, or whatever. But it was really Advent of last year and the ritual that we developed around that that like lit the light bulb. They was like, oh, this is how we get the kids to do what we need them to do. It's when we integrate joy into the experience and connection into the experience, um, the whole process becomes easier. 
So we wanted to start with our family-based rituals. And I'm going to start with our morning ritual because it is our newest. And we are a machine in this house in the morning, but like a really happy machine. Um, our goal is to wake up at the last minute possible. Wrong. I mean, so wrong for me. I wake up an hour before. Sorry, everyone else in the house <laughs> wakes up at the last minute possible. Um, I wake up an hour before, and I'll go into that when I talk about my individual ritual. Um, but I wake up the kids at 7 o'clock. We go and get dressed first. Then we come into the living room. We do one worship song. We don't like reverently raise our hands and close our eyes, but we'll play one song that is like from church that is about God. I'll pull out the instruments and we just bang the instruments for one song about God. Hashtag jumpstart three. <laughs> yeah, jumpstart three or, you know, group pop, like one of the, the VBS songs or some other song that the kids like. And then at the end of that song, we pray for the day. And then as soon as we finish praying for the day, the kids know that they go to grab their breakfast book. So they get to pick a book to read during breakfast. And I try to limit the length of the book because we don't have all day. And while they're grabbing the breakfast book, I start making their breakfast. Um, they sit at the counter while I make their breakfast. And I hand them their breakfast. We read their two breakfast books. I make my breakfast and Dane's snack. Um, then we put on shoes and socks. The alarm goes off at 7.45, and we are out the door at 7.45 every day with no problems, no fights. Um, it's so, we are so mechanized that we have just had to add coats and like sweaters because it's getting colder, and it's like I had to figure out where to move in coats and sweaters because we, we have so the process down so tight that all three of us were like, we don't know what to do. We don't know when to put on our sweaters. Which we'll get to when we get to the drawbacks of ritual. But it's it's just the whole thing is going so well. And we were we were really struggling in the mornings to like figure out our place and who was going to be where when. And once we got this mechanized and once we got the like, the worship is fun. The books give them something to choose and look forward to in the morning. Um, there's a menu of what we're going to eat every day for breakfast. So they know every Wednesday is Waffle Wednesday and they don't have to sit there and fight with me um, or they don't argue with me because they know what's on the menu is what we're going to eat. And they've really adjusted to that yeah. surprisingly well. And that's one of the things with the kids that you built into the rituals of making sure that they have some agency, but yes. very confined they have a so choice. that they have a repeat they have a pattern that they know they're going to follow so they do that but then they feel like they get to decide what they're doing even though they're really not and in every single one of these rituals that agency that that choice is important but also we do like in kids church in breakfast books in in all of these different places some small variation of the substance um but the actual ritual holds firm um, and that the the ritual gives them the stability and the change gives them the ability to grow. You did forget a step in the morning, though. You forgot when I leave, oh, whatever yeah, random this time is a I new leave, thing too. they have to go stand in the window and watch you leave. Literally stand in the window. They climb up into our living room window and stand on the windowsill <laughs> and in front of the blinds and they watch me drive away in the morning. It's very fun but weird yeah it is they literally drop they're usually in the middle of breakfast at that point they drop what they're doing and go they added that to the ritual themselves it works i almost always have i like a lot of the time we'll be in the middle of a story 
and I will need to sneak in some some bites of my own food. So it works really well to like have for me to have a sip of coffee and for me to have a break in that very like heavy morning. Um, but that's not how we that's how we do Monday, Friday, Monday through Friday mornings. What do you do on Sunday mornings when I'm not there? We definitely don't just watch cartoons. <laughs> Sunday mornings are dad time. They're more laid back. They're a special time. We get Cheerios, usually without milk, because I don't want to deal with that. I always give milk. I know. But again, good parent, bad parent. We've already established that. Uh, we're probably doing good cop, bad cop. Good cop, lazy cop. So we'll get Cheerios in a bowl. And then we sit on the couch and we watch some cartoons. And we usually don't have much time because we usually wake up late. And then <laughs> I take forever getting them dressed and undressed. And we just kind of goof off. And that's kind of our lazy Sunday and they get to pick what cartoons they watch. Usually they can agree. Sometimes we have a thing about it, but then it's, uh, well, okay, we'll watch one episode of, you know, this show, and then we'll watch one episode of that show. And usually it ends up, we just stay on the first show for a couple of episodes before we go to church because they get invested in whatever silly show they're watching. And I, like, I can think if you're listening to this show, like, why would you include that in an episode about ritual? But that unstructured Sunday time, where they know they get to wake up um, and like, I wouldn't let them watch TV on a Saturday morning. <laughs> well, it's terrible. The, it is but, a ritual of getting them ready for church and they wake up and you're not there yep. and they're never happy when you're not there. And you know, what are we going to do? Well, let's do something fun. Let's do something different. It's Sunday. It's a day of rest. It's a day of relaxation. It's, it's not a day when we stay on our ordinary Titans routine. And Oreos. Yes. <laughs> We don't stay on our ordinary routine. We do not eat Oreos for breakfast. Oh, and I say Oreos. I meant Cheerios. Yeah. I'm not a great dad, but I'm better than that. (laughs) Regardless of the day of the week, um, our bedtime is almost always the same, even on a Saturday and Sunday night. Um, And that is because I think we have built so much joy into our bedtime routine um, that nobody minds sticking to this ritual throughout the week i would say nobody they almost not enjoy sticking to it but it's become a bit pathological for the younger one if we don't do tea time he yeah. has a panic attack so we start but i think that's just because there's a treat i just realized that i start their morning routine at 7 a.m and i start their evening routine at 7 p.m no you don't because i tried to start at 7 p.m tonight and you yelled at me and said don't you look at the clock you tried to start it way before 7 p.m., but thank you. So at 7 p.m., we um, start, Joel takes them to get their pajamas on. I set up tea time. By the time they get their pajamas on, tea, oh, and, and this also will, will include a bath on a day that they're dirty. Um, so that probably talks to how long tea time is. So every day, well, but yeah. <laughs> we do bath more than we used to. I think we get parent kudos for that um, <laughs> now that they actually can get themselves a little bit dirtier. Um, so we... I set up tea time. They come out, like we set up the whole, the little snack and the milk and the little uh, carafe with the two teacups and they drink their milk and they listen to this weird song um, and they just kind of relax and have their snack and milk. And then with a big, like big, like 70s table cover on the coffee table. And then after about 10 to 12 minutes of the kind of relaxed music, don't know how this got inter- integrated into the ritual, but we do it. Funny videos where we watch seven to ten minutes of 
either America's Funniest Home Videos, people falling over, or um, animals, animals falling over. And that has become part of our evening routine. They have no, they really do really well when we turn it off. They go, they, they know to go directly into the bathroom to get their teeth brushed. They and don't always, but they know they're supposed to. They do pretty well. Sometimes they go past it. They try to go into... Um, Not the older one. The younger one, though, yes. doesn't like brushing his He's teeth. sneaky. And then, um, so... I mean, he loves brushing his teeth. He says to the aunt who I know who listens to this, he's a hygienist. Well, no. I know little kids. I mean, most little kids don't. And then they meet me in our, um, on the green couch in their room. We read their devotional. Then we lay on the floor and praise God for something good he did in our life every day and do a backward somersault and say, we praise you. And then we do a special hug time prayer. I count down from 10. They run into their bed. They try to get into their bed and under their covers before 10. I read them 10 minutes of Harry Potter. I turn off the light. I sit in there for about 15 minutes while they fall asleep. And in that process from seven, we can usually get them to sleep between eight and 8.15 every single night. Once again, you forgot a step. What did I forget? When Levi gets out of his bed and crawls <laughs> into the couch with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. I count down from 10. He gets in his bed, pretends like he's going to do the thing. But while I'm reading Harry, he almost, in fact, he's sleeping on the green couch right now. Uh, yeah. I didn't even try to transfer him back to it's his bed. It's just where he sleeps now. That's not true. He sleeps in our bed. He starts there, though. It went from when um, we were doing bedtime separately and we didn't have this ritual in place where I just dreaded bedtime so much. And now it's like Joel will be like, you just go to bed. Um, I'll take care of them. And I'll, which good job, Joel. But I'm like, no, I, I want to do devotional with them or, oh, I want, you know, like, I don't yeah, want to It's almost skip. like these rituals are more for you than them. Oh, they're absolutely more for me. What do they? I mean, no. In their full development, the stability and is good for them. I know that that's true, but make no mistake, it is for me. Yeah, we'll get to, it might be too stable. Um, <laughs> it is absolutely for me. And like I said before, this all started with our Advent ritual, which is our most bizarre and unusual one. It's not bizarre and unusual. It's totally normal. We open our four to five Advent calendars <laughs> because my mother who I love, has very little self-control, and only two grandchildren. And so we have lots of advent calendars. And we have a permanent one that's a really nice big wooden one. And then she'll always send us a sticker one. And then she'll find one with candy in it that she sends us. And then sometimes there will be another one. This year I think it's going to be Lego Harry Potter or Lego Star Wars. Ooh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm already ordering those. So, But so we'll open our advent calendars. Totally normal. There's three or four of them, less normal. And then we turn the lights down, turn the Christmas tree lights on, and we sing Christmas-ish carols-ish. Except for? <laughs> Somehow. This is our children, though. It got turned into, we have to listen to Hedwig's theme. The da, 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 I actually have an explanation da. for that. It's vaguely Christmassy, and he was listening to it at the time. No, he we got him pajamas last year for Christmas that were Harry yes. Potter pajamas, and he and to be fair, the the Harry Potter Christmas scenes are pretty iconic. But he very much interconnected Harry Potter and Christmas. So we listened to Hedwig's theme almost every night on the. Um, I'm not going to say her name in case you are somewhere where she can hear you, but on the Echo Dot. Okay, Google, subscribe to podcast. No, and and then they always wanted to listen to I Knew You Were Trouble When You Walked In by Taylor Swift. And I still have no idea how that happened. And nope. and then they'd do moonwalk. And then they would moonwalk. <laughs> and they'd moonwalk. Which for them was stumbling backwards. And then 
they'd run forwards and then stumble backwards again. But I will say every day of Advent was joyful. Like every night we look forward to coming home and doing all their crazy stuff and, and turning on the Christmas tree and down the lights. And even though it had very little, it didn't have very little to do with Christmas. We were also telling the story through the little ornaments and all that stuff. We did the whole Christmas thing. Yes, I forgot about one of our advent calendars is little Little books. storybooks. Yeah, I know. So yes. we were reading the book too. I think this year we'll try to, to make it match in some ways our current. Here's what I think. We'll probably do tea time in the room with the Christmas tree. Advent became joyful for you when you adjusted, when you changed your expectation routine to match everyone else's expectations. I think it's important to maintain some flexibility because I do remember a good deal of frustration when Let's you would sing Oh Christmas Tree. You would try and get them to sing Oh Christmas Tree or some other Christmas carol and they wouldn't want to. And then you would give up and fine, just play. I knew you were trouble. And then they'd be so happy. And then finally you're like, oh, okay. This it's is not necessarily about this is what we do. It's not about my traditions or my ritual or what I want. It's about building in the purpose or building in activities that get us to the purpose. The purpose was to be together. Community. Singing songs. And joy. Being Christmassy. Right. That's what we were trying to do. Get to those four things. And the, and the reality, too, is that you can't be un-Christmassy when the lights are off and the Christmas tree is on. You could be a Grinch about playing Hedwig's theme. But... I think that staying flexible with your rituals a little bit and understanding that they will change over time is important. So those are sort of our family rituals, but I am a very ritualistic person personally. So in the morning, for a long time, I was trying to wake up at like 6.20, around the same time Joel was, and I kept trying to like fit in everything. Um, with as the boys were waking up and it just like wasn't working. And I thought if I just wake up at six o'clock instead of 620, my whole day is going to change. So right now, not just wake up, but actually get out of bed. There's a difference. Not for me. I just wake up and get out of bed. I don't need to hit the snooze button 40 times. I'm not a child. <laughs> um, I get up, I do my hair, I do my makeup, I get dressed, drive to AM PM, get my coffee. Leave it in the car. This podcast brought to you by AMPM. <laughs> Leave that coffee in the car because I then I come inside and make a coffee on my Keurig that I drink while I do my Bible study, do a written prayer, and um, I use and then and then do an additional book or study on the end of that because the whole study that I do ends up taking right till about six forty five six fifty and then at six fifty I do like just a maybe read half a chapter of some book that I'm reading or something. That shall remain nameless. Kitchen promises. No, I'm not reading one right now, actually. And it's driving me crazy. I just haven't found... The Farman. Okay. I read my... Ro Speaking of rituals, every <laughs> single night I go to sleep and I read my romance novel and that's how I fall asleep. So don't judge my, my other ritual because it's not as pious as my morning ritual. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a new ritual um, that is not family-based. It is couple-based. I make you tea. And then we go sit in the hot tub. And it's rocking. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It, it has destroyed my nighttime rituals. Which is what? <laughs> Puttering around the house and breaking things? 
puttering around the house and breaking things or puttering around my shop and breaking things. Yeah. Well, it's nice to be able to see you for one point during the day. So I appreciate that it broke that ritual. I just, again, it's about being flexible and understanding that sometimes rituals change. But we don't just have rituals as a biological family. We also have our rituals as a church family that... I love that you made that family-family connection. That can be good, (laughs) but can also maybe hold us back sometimes. There are lots of really good church family rituals that get us together, get us into the mindset, the, you know, opening, greeting, the fellowship time before church, you know, the singing. No matter where you go to church, almost everybody has these repeated rituals whether it's like a like a formal service or some sort of observance or even like a prayer time, whatever it is, like if you go, you go expecting pretty much the same format. And what I love about that, running the kids' church service now and, and just seeing it in churches, that when all of the the anchors are the same, you can really see what the spirit is doing in the day. Right. If everything is moving around and changing all the time, it's kind of hard to see what's from people and what's from God. And when the people are kind of holding firm in a ritual, when something miraculous or beautiful or special or different happens, you can see the spirit at work. And that's true in your, in your family rituals as well. It also lets people get out of their comfort zones because people, I think, have X amount of uncomfortableness yes. that they're willing to deal with. And so if you make it hey, this is comfortable, this is what we do every week, and you go, okay, now we're also going to do this other thing, or we're going to try this new thing for today, or you know, we're going to add this on top of what we normally do, or I want you to sit somewhere else, talk to a visitor, those kind of uncomfortable things, it's okay. You've, you know, you've only done X amount of uncomfortable today, so you can add that one and still be in your limit. And we actually learned that from watching the little kids. Dane and Levi are both in a gymnastics class, um, like the first thing they did when they were, you know, 18 months old, the first programming I put them in. And I did it for about a year before I thought, they do the same thing every week. Like we pay more money than I'm, than I'm willing to say on this podcast to have them go to the same place to do essentially the same thing every week. Nobody is innovating or changing the programming or whatever. And what I realized is that all of the risks that they're taking with their bodies, like, you know, doing jumps or being on the balance beam or um, all of the little like changes in motions or what they're at, which kind of seat drop they're asking them to do or what way they're asking them to wiggle their hands. They can try new things because they're not wasting any emotional energy thinking about what's coming next. They know what's coming next. Um, they only have to focus on the challenge in the moment or the the expectation in the moment. and. I thought that it was so impressive to me and that I don't know if that's the right word. Actually, it made such an impression on me. There we go. That I applied it first to my littlest kids um, in ministry. And as I saw it become effective with them, I've applied it all the way up to the elementary age kids where our format for our kids church is extremely formulaic, but you walk away from them and they're not thinking about what happened or how it went down or what order we went in. They know what the good news is. They know what their take-it-home habit is. They know the, 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 ver- the things that vary because they're not focused on 
Yeah. How the service itself varies. And it's hard because when you live it, when you're in charge of it, when you're doing it, it you feels, feel lazy. And it feels so <laughs> like, oh, we're doing this again. You're like, I don't want them to get bored, but it's only an hour out of their week. Like, oh, yeah. Like it's either 164 or 168 hours in a week. Yeah. It's it's not repetitive for them because it's it's different than everything else they've done all week. Yes. And so even though it feels the same to you, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, we can do this once a week. It's fine. It's fun. So, I mean, I and I think your original point was that this is not something that just applies with kids, that to a certain extent, this um, repetition and ritual also gives adults the freedom to go outside of their comfort zone or to experience something that they wouldn't have otherwise experienced. Absolutely. But as we alluded to earlier, rituals aren't necessarily perfect all of the time. There are some problems with rituals that can pop up. One of those things, and I didn't even realize, I didn't know the word for it. And I think part of it is that I'm relatively new to church work or whatever. I learned that the In word English. I, no, I'd never heard the, the word rote until I started complaining about um, our church does, our church did um, prayers of the people. And it was literally like, God bless our blah, 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 da, 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 da. And even the names of the people that had been on the prayer list for so long had a rhythm that every single person said it with. And it was like the most empty thing in the entire world. And someday, someday we might go back to that. But we had become such a machine of this prayer and like not in a good way that we were just like, okay, we're going to remove this for a while. We're still going to pray for these people. We still have a prayer list. We still have a prayer chain. We have, we have people praying because we're a praying church, but, but that kind of rhythmic, mindless prayer that wasn't, it wasn't even like the Lord's prayer where like the words are automatic, but the meaning, but that gives you the freedom to focus on the meaning. This was just like, Everybody just repeated the same thing. And that, I was like, I didn't know what that was. And people were like, that is the definition of rote. And I was like, okay, well, can we yeah. stop that then? With anything you do, with any system, with anything, you got to continually ask, why did I start this? And is it still accomplishing that goal? If not, is it accomplishing a new goal? Because the thing shouldn't be the goal. The, the ritual isn't the goal. The ritual is the vehicle that gets us to the goal. And if it's not getting us to the goal anymore, it stopped working. We need to change it. Now, if we look to Ecclesiastes 3, um, I'm only going to read 3.1, but I'll give you the little hint of what 2 through 8 is. For everything, there is a season and a time and for every matter under heaven. Yes, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. And this goes on. Or five more verses. But the point is, and this is like the thing that I just think kills churches and takes the spirit, just sucks it right out of a church, is that when the ritual can't die and it's holding on for it, it has its, it's grown its own life and become that kind of idol. You're not advancing. You're not fostering connection. Mm-hmm. You're not experiencing joy. You're not even, you're basically just doing that first routine part out of obligation that doesn't have much to do with god or your connections to other people it's just a matter of going through the motions and i think that that's one of the main things is rituals have to be able to die and they have to be able to move on and when you have younger kids the deaths of rituals happen faster and as they get older they're traumatic and they and they can feel like a big thing but in church at a certain point some rituals are just not 
serving their function anymore and they're not bringing joy and they're not bringing connection and they got to go. And I understand, or at least I think I'm more sympathetic than Kathleen, who's a little more militant about these things. I get that these things you grew up with are important to you because there is some nostalgia there, but nostalgia ain't Jesus. It makes me feel good. Isn't a reason to keep doing something. We need to make sure that our rituals are growing the church. They're feeding the church. They're helping our spirituality grow. Our rituals at home need to be helping our family, fostering connections, growing joy and love in our family. And if it's not, if we're just doing it because it's the way we've always done it, we need to reevaluate why we are doing that. Are we doing it because God said we have to do it? Are we feeding the poor because it's fun or because God said we have to feed the poor? That's one thing. But are we, you know, is a strong word. are we lighting certain candles at certain times because God said that if you don't light these candles in this order during this holiday? No, we're just that's we did that to remind ourselves of the holiday. Is it still doing that or has the lighting of the candles become the thing we're doing because we want to light the candles so we light the candles? I think we have to unravel that one for a while. The other problem that we have is that rituals are a way of getting closer to God, not a replacement for God. And this happens a lot of the time in the church where the thing re- it just becomes an end unto itself. So here's another example of that from the Bible from Matthew 12, uh, 9 through 14. He, that being Jesus, went on from there and entered the synagogue. And the man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? And he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy like the other. And it's that idea that the rule, the practice, the ritual is to not to perform work on the Sabbath. And it's like the rule had a reason and the reason was to rest. And that was from God. But the rule wasn't God. (laughs) And so the rule was put in place to help people and make their lives better and literally to allow you time to heal. You can't work seven days a week. You'll kill yourself. It was a time of rest and a time of healing. And they turned it into a time of stress and a time of figuring out how on you We're know back to a time yes, yes, but on on Friday night figuring out making meals ahead of time so you could eat them on the sabbath and that wasn't the point of the rule if the rule is getting in the way of people Christ is always going to choose the person because that's what the rules are for and i think that's one of the things that rituals especially because we go to a emerging traditional church um that is trying to grow with the new population is that there are oftentimes when the rituals seem very alienating and foreign to people who did not grow up with them. When you hold on to a ritual for so long that it doesn't make sense in the, in the current culture, it doesn't make sense with what God is doing in the next generation, then it alienates people from what you have to offer. You have to offer the gospel. You have to offer their salvation. Mm-hmm. And they come in and they see the ritual and the ritual stands between them and God And that is a real problem. Yeah. If your interpretation of the rule is getting between someone and God, you're interpreting the rule incorrectly. So not only 
should they not be a replacement for God? They shouldn't be rote. Um, they can be dropped like a hot potato when it stops working. Um, but they can also, even when they survive, be skipped and modified. Um, we apply that at home. It happens. And it's okay. Even, You're okay. Even if it sounds like a really good and important one, like taking communion or doing your nighttime prayers. <laughs> or you went right for it. <laughs> well, no, I'm sorry, but like take communion is important and good. But if you do not commune on a Sunday, you ain't going to hell on Monday morning. That's not how it works. And that, that goes back to the whole thing, like what is the purpose of communion? It just cannot, a ritual should not have a life of its own. And communion is one of those most important, most godly, most ordained rituals that exists out there. But even that one is not, I mean, it kind of is literally God, but it's not like the literal living God that's in, that, right. who, who lives in your heart, you know. It's not the presence of God. Rituals can and should change over time as circumstances change, as things change. You probably won't read morning books to the kids for the rest of their lives when they're 17. Mm, maybe right? they will. They'll probably read their own books. I don't want to hear about that. Even I get that all rituals come to an end eventually. Uh, it doesn't mean that the ritual was bad or that it was a failure. It just means that you outgrew it or that the season changed. All right, let's get to our... So that came up. So speaking of ritual, there was a part of, <laughs> there was a part of our um, evening devotional where we were reading the Brick Bible, which is like the Bible very literally like laid out with Legos. Um, it became a bit problematic at one point when like the devil started to show up because like it was like the Lego devil. He was a Duplo. And he doesn't have the like... <laughs> No, he doesn't have the like abstract thinking to be like, okay, so I guess he he's like he really is a red guy with little horns and mm -hmm. it's like uh, and like the demons, he's like that's what demons really look like and they were like lego people with scary faces and I was like no. <laughs> that was all well and good. But the thing that made me stop reading it at night and maybe wait till he's like old enough to just kind of like read it himself is that they got to the part where they were talking about eunuchs. <laughs> and they literally... Are all Lego people eunuchs? The, <laughs> I guess that's true. But in the in the book, there's like a literal, like, Lego man, like, with, with a knife over a man's <laughs> legs. And he started to, like, look at the picture. And I was like, we'll read this one tomorrow. And then that book went away, and it has not come out since. Because I'm like, you know what? I... I am all about being truthful about the truth of the Bible to young children. We're teaching like Moses coming down the mountain and everyone dying um, after receiving the Ten Commandments in kids ministry. But I am not about um, explaining what a eunuch is to a five-year-old, um, especially a five-year-old boy. Especially a five-year-old boy who's going to go to kindergarten and explain to all his friends <laughs> what a eunuch is. <laughs> all right, wife. Pray us home. Lord, be with us every day as we go through our every day. In every ritual we have, in every song that we sing to you, book that we read, time we spend together, just be in it and be glorified in it. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos Pod at gmail.com. 
Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.